Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm so glad that you're watching today's message. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. I believe it'll encourage you, it'll strengthen you, and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. Enjoy today's message, and I'll see you at the end of the broadcast. So let's jump into the book of Judges. Some of us know some of the famous stories of the book of Judges. We know about Samson. Some of us know about Gideon. These are epic stories that they shared about in Sunday school. We've heard about some of these stories, but I want to dive in the book in a deeper way today. This is Bible study night. This is midweek for those of you who are watching live. Those of you who may be listening on podcasts, this is our midweek Bible study where we study different topics. And right now we're about to do a biblical study on the book of Judges and see how it relates to our everyday life. You may say, well, why even study the book of Judges? We're not under the old covenant. How does it even apply to us as new covenant believers who live in 2022? How does that even matter to us? Go with me first before we even get to Judges to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. My goal is today is to lay the foundation of where we're going in this Bible study as we study the book of Judges. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to start with verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, starting with verse 11. It says, Now all these things happened to them, speaking of Israel, as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. It's talking about us. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man, but God is faithful. Stop right now. If you're watching in a place we can put it in the chat, say God is faithful. Say it out loud with me or put it in the chat. Say God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, once again, defining this word admonition, the word admonition means authoritative counsel or warning. The word admonition means authoritative counsel or warning. So this scripture is telling us that these things that happened before that we're about to read tonight serve to us as an authoritative counsel and warning. Counsel and warning from a place of authority. So number one, we can learn what to do and what not to do. You know, I heard it once said before that a wise person can learn from anybody. A wise person can learn from a wise person, and a wise person can also learn from a fool. A wise person can learn from a fool what not to do. And so one of the things we see from the book of Judges, number one, we can learn what to do and what not to do from the success and mistakes found in the book of Judges. There are some very hard lessons in this book, very hard lessons. And it would behoove all of us to avoid the mistakes that the judges made and some of the people of Israel made. And I'm going to show you tonight how it applies to your life and what you can glean from it as we go through this book. Go with me before we go to Judges to Romans chapter 15, verse 4, setting the foundation as we go into this book. Romans chapter 15, verse 4. I'm hoping as we go through the study, you'll see this book in a new light. And you'll glean from it what you need to do so that you can fulfill the plan of God for your life. Romans chapter 15, verse 4. It says in the NIV, For everything that was written in the past, speaking of the Old Testament, 
was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Praise God. So number two, we can learn and should learn patient endurance from the judges. I'll say it again. We can and should learn patient endurance from the judges. As we study this book, we can receive encouragement and hope. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. We'll read this time from the New Living Translation. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. I hope you have your Bibles out, your notepads, your phone, your devices, because we can get into some stuff today. And I want you to take good notes. If you're a person you listen to this on replay via the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we provide our notes in the link there. But I want you to listen to it and add your own notes at a later time. Don't try to take notes while you're driving. Don't do that. We do not endorse that, but make sure you take some time later and write down what God is talking to your heart as you listen to this message, whether you have a journal, a prayer book, or you have a place on your phone or your device where you write these things down. Because I have some questions that I'm going to ask you that I want you to answer that's going to help you fulfill the plan of God for your life. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. Starting in the New Living Translation, it says, How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon. He's one of the judges. Barak, he's another judge. Samson, he's another judge. Jephthah, that's another judge. David and Samuel and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Number three, what's the third thing we can learn from these judges and from the book of Judges? We can and should learn from the faith of the judges. We can and should learn from the faith of the judges. We can follow their faith. You know, I heard about a said about a man of God who lived about 100 years ago, who was used by God in mighty ways, and said, you can follow his faith, but you can't follow his doctrine. Well, what did that mean? He had faith enough to let God use him to do uh, ministry of healing and miracles, but when it concerns some very key topics, he was awful. Now, is that even scriptural because God used somebody like that? When we study the book of Judges, you'll see God uses a lot of people. And one of the things as we look at the book of Judges, especially some of the judges, we get into the later parts of the book, they had issues upon issues upon issues. A couple of them were a hot mess. A couple of them were great. And a couple of them were a hot mess, yet God still used them. One of the things you'll see in this book is God will use anybody who will let him use them. But we'll also see the consequences of living a life that is not what God has called you to live. As we study this book, we'll see God will use people and we'll see that in the midst of him using them, they'll make some horrible decisions and they'll face those horrible consequences that you, you have to understand the law of seed time and harvest works all the time. Whether God is using you or not, it is a universal law. What you sow, you will reap. 
What did Paul tell us in Galatians? If you sow to the flesh, of the flesh you'll reap corruption. But if you sow to the spirit, of the spirit you'll reap life everlasting. There is seed, time, and harvest. And sometimes believers get it twisted. And even some ministers get it twisted. That just because God is using them mightily when they're in their assignment, in their calling, doing what God's calling them, they're seeing great results. They think they can do whatever they want and live contrary to the revealed word of God. And they wonder why these things happen. And sometimes they think it's an attack of the enemy. Now, some things are attacks of the enemy. I'm not making light of it. I've even shared on it recently when I did a message called You Won't Break My Soul. You can find it on our Faith Plus app as well as on our other platforms. There are attacks of the enemy. There are pressures and tests and trials that come from the enemy. But some things show up in life because of poor decisions. Some things show up in life because of sin. What did Paul also tell us in Romans? The wages of sin is death. And we see that spelled out so clearly through the book of Judges. So let's dive in to go a little bit further. But before we can even get to Judges, we have to go to another book. Let's go to Joshua 24. Joshua 24 is the last chapter of the book of Joshua, and it gets us ready for the book of Judges. And so as you turn there to recap, we said, number one, we can learn what to do and what not to do from the success and mistakes of the Judges. There are some hard lessons in this book, and it will behoove all of us to avoid the mistakes some of the Judges made and some of the children of Israel made. Number two, we said we can and should learn patient endurance from the judges. As we study this book, we receive encouragement and hope. Number three, we said we can and should learn from the faith of the judges. We can follow their faith because their faith is even regarded highly because it's included in Hebrews chapter 11. So let's do Judges, Joshua chapter 24. I'm going to start with verse 1, and I'm going to read it from the message version. Listen to what God says through Joshua, the man of God, the commander of the forces of Israel. Joshua called together all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He called in the elders, chiefs, judges, and officers. They presented themselves before God. Then Joshua addressed all the people. This is what God, the God of Israel, says. A long time ago, your ancestors, Terah, his sons, Abraham and Nahor, lived to the east of the river Euphrates. They worshipped other gods. I took your ancestor Abraham from the far side of the river. I led him all over the land of Canaan and multiplied his descendants. I gave him Isaac. Then I gave Isaac Jacob and Esau. I let Esau have the mountains of Seir as home, but Jacob and his sons ended up in Egypt. I sent Moses and Aaron. I hit Egypt hard with plagues, then led you out of there. I brought your ancestors out of Egypt. You came to the sea and the Egyptians in hot pursuit with chariots and cavalry to the very edge of the Red Sea. Then they cried out for help to God. He put a cloud between you and the Egyptians and then set let the sea loose on them. It drowned them. You watched the whole thing with your own eyes, what I did to Egypt. And then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. I brought you to the country of the Amorites who lived in the east of, of the Jordan, and they fought you. But I fought for you, and you took their land. I destroyed them for you. Then Balak, son of Zippor, made his appearance. He was the king of Moab. He got ready to fight Israel by sending for Balaam, son of Beor, to come and curse you. But I wouldn't listen to Balaam. He ended up blessing you over and over. I saved you from him. 
You then crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The Jericho leaders ganged up on you, as well as the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. But I turned them over to you. I sent the hornet ahead of you and drove out the two Amorite kings, did your work for you. You didn't have to do a thing, not so much as raise a finger. I handed you a land for which you did not work, towns you did not build. And here you are now living in them and eating from vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. So now fear God, worship him in total commitment. Come on, say total commitment. If you're watching the place, we put it in the chat, put it in the chat, say total commitment. Say it with me and put it in the chat, say total commitment. That's what God wants. He wants total commitment. Get rid of the gods of your ancestors worshipped on the far side of the river, the Euphrates, and in Egypt. You worship God. Notice what the man of God's telling them. If you decide that it's a bad thing to worship God, then choose a God you rather serve and do it today. Choose one of the gods of your ancestors worshipped from, from the country beyond the river, or one of the gods of the Amorites on whose land you're living now. Notice what Joshua says here. We love this verse in all the different translations. As for me and my family, we'll worship God. Come on, anyone else want to make that declaration with me today? As for me and my house, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my family, we'll worship God. Anybody want to make that declaration and put it in the chat? As far as I am concerned, as far as my family is concerned, we will serve God. We will worship the one and true living God. Praise God. Here's what the people answered him. We'd never forsake God, never. We'd never leave God to worship other gods. God is our God. He brought up our ancestors from Egypt and from slave conditions. He did all those great signs while we watch. He has kept his eye on us all along the roads we traveled among the nations we passed through. Just for us, he drove out all the nations, Amorites and all who lived in the land. Count us in. We too are going to worship God. He's our God. But notice what Joshua replied to them. Then Joshua told the people, you can't do it. You're not able to worship God. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. Now that phrase jealous God has tripped up a lot of people. All that means is he doesn't tolerate you worshiping somebody else. Notice Joshua goes on to define it by saying, he won't put up with your fooling around and sinning. When you leave God and take up the worship of foreign gods, He'll turn right around and come down on you hard. Notice this is their covenant. He'll put an end to you and after all the good he has done for you. Notice this is their covenant. And one of the things you hear me mention a lot as we study the Old Testament, this is an old covenant. This is the Old Testament. This is their covenant that they agreed to. You read under the law. And the first five books of Moses, they agree to this covenant. You see in the book of Joshua right here, they are in complete agreement to the terms and the conditions of this covenant. You see them agreeing with it right now. Now, we as believers, we have a new covenant. We're not under the same covenant, but we can learn the three areas we talked about earlier from studying this book. Notice what Joshua says. No, but the people told Joshua, no, 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 we worship God. And so Joshua addressed the people. You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen God for yourselves to worship him. You made this decision on your own. And they said, we are witnesses. Joshua said, now get rid of all the foreign gods you have with you. So let's all know that 
They kept some other options around. God says, nope, it's time to deal with it right now. Joshua told me, you can't worship God right now because you've got all these other foreign gods with you, but it's time to clean house. Say an unqualified yes to God. What a powerful, wonderful, beautiful phrase. An unqualified yes to God. Have you given God your yes? Come on. Have you given God your yes? Say an unqualified yes to God, the God of Israel. The people answered Joshua, we will worship God. What he says will do. Joshua completed a covenant for the people that day there at Shechem. He made it official, spelling it out in detail. Joshua wrote all the directions, regulations, the book of the revelation of God or the book of the law of God. Then he took a large stone and set it up under the oak that was in the holy place of God. Joshua spoke to all the people, this stone is a witness against us. It has heard every word that God has said to us. It is a standing witness against you, lest you cheat on your God. So not only do they have these words, not only is it written in the covenant, not only is it written what Joshua wrote down, they created a memorial that represents to them and every generation after them, these are the terms of the covenant. Then Joshua dismissed the people, each to his own place of inheritance. After all this, Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of God, died. He was 110 years old. They buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath-Serah in the mountains of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. Israel served God through the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him, who had themselves experienced, that's powerful, all that God had done for Israel. Joseph Bones, which the people of Israel had brought from Egypt, they buried in Shechem in the plot of ground that Jacob had purchased from the sons of Hamor, who was the father of Shechem. He paid a hundred silver coins for it. It belongs to the inheritance of the family of Joseph. Eliezer, the son of Aaron, died. They buried him at Gibeah which had been allotted to his son Phinehas in the mountains of Ephraim. That's how the book of Joshua ends. And it takes us to the book of Judges, chapter 1, verse 1. Everything we said sets us up to now finally enter the book of Judges. Judges, chapter 1, verse 1. This time we're reading from the New King James. It says, Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall be first to go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Indeed, I have delivered the land into his hand. So let's stop right there. The book of Judges starts out on a positive point for the children of Israel. The book begins with them inquiring of the Lord about how they should proceed. Hey, it started well. Let's give them their props where they get props. They started well. Joshua is gone, but they still make the right decision to inquire of the Lord, to ask God, how should we go forward? How shall we proceed? Remember that tells us in Proverbs, you acknowledge the Lord and he will direct your paths. They acknowledge the Lord, they inquired of him and God told them what to do. So what happens in the rest of Judges chapter one? Judah and Simeon, you'll see later, are victorious and begin to settle in their lands. This conquest also introduces us to the first judge of the book. 
The first judge of the book is Othniel. He is the nephew of Caleb. Yes, Joshua and Caleb, the two men of faith who were the spies who came back with a good report. Remember, Joshua and Caleb outlived that, their entire generation. They went into the land. You see Caleb throughout the book of Joshua, and you all see him in chapter one of the book of Judges. It's recapping an earlier story in the book of Joshua, and it also serves to introduce us to the first judge of the book, Othniel. Now, Judges 1, 11 through 15 recounts the story shared in Joshua 15. Othniel's name means line of God or force of God. Othniel's name means line of God or force of God. We'll learn more about Othniel in Judges chapter 3. We'll get back to him in chapter 3. But Othniel is introduced here in Judges chapter 1. He's mentioned in Joshua 15, but we'll get back to him in Judges chapter 3. Judges chapter 1 offers a summary of the conquest shown in Joshua and shows an incomplete conquest of the land. It's incomplete. Notice that it's incomplete. Go ahead and put it in the chat. If you're watching the place we put it in the chat, say incomplete. It's an incomplete conquest of the land. In the promised land, you have the Israelites and those who came up with them. Because remember, there's a lot of people who traveled with the Israelites. It even talks about who came up out of Egypt, went with them. But also that moved into the promised land, there was the Israelites, but it was also those who came up with them, including Moses' father-in-law tribe. Moses' father-in-law, remember, he was the high priest of Midian. They all moved and joined Israel. And so when they went into the land, they moved into the land as well, and they settled in the lands of Judah. Also now in the land, you have the Israelites, those who came with them, and the Canaanites and the Amorites. So it's the Israelites and those who came with them, the Canaanites and the Amorites. Let's go to Judges chapter 2, verse 1. Judges chapter 2, verse 1. And the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bosham and said, but let's pause there because we're just reading it. You know, we read through it. And it's like, well, does that really mean anything? But there's something so powerful and parallel that we can glean from. And just this statement, the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bosham. These are just two weird name places that we just read through. And it's like, well, what does that mean? Gilgal means the rolling away. And Bosham or Bochum means weeping. Gilgal means the rolling away, and Bochum means weeping. Gilgal was the place where the new generation was circumcised. After they've, come, they've, they've survived the wilderness, as a new generation has come out of the wilderness, they are coming to take the promised land. It's the generation Joshua's leading, and they are circumcised. It is the cutting of the covenant. It's them agreeing to the covenant. It is the beginning of their journey into the promised land after they had crossed the Jordan. So Gilgal was a place of the circumcision of the new generation. It is the beginning of their journey into the promised land. It is where they kept the first Passover. Imagine this. This generation has the first Passover in the promised land. Imagine how much it meant to them. Because just about 40 years before, there was a Passover in Egypt. That whole generation, except Joshua and Caleb, didn't walk into it, except the young ones who were there. Because the 20 and younger, remember, they weren't under the judgment that fell on that generation. So that 20 and younger, so you got people there who were there when Passover was instituted. And now they're seeing the fulfillment and having Passover in the promised land. Imagine the importance Gilgal has to them. It's the, first, it's the place of the first Passover in the promised land. It is also the place where manna stopped falling. 
Well, why did the manna stop falling? Because now they can eat the food from the promised land. So Gilgal is the place where the manna stopped falling and where they began to eat the food of the promised land. It is also the place where Joshua saw this angelic being. So they go from Gilgal, which has so much symbolic and powerful meaning, the start of their journey. The angel Lord goes from Gilgal to Boshem, and Boshem means weeping. It's a powerful start to a place of weeping. Well, why? The angel of the Lord says, I led you up from Egypt and brought you to the land of which I swore to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And starting in verse two, you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns in your side and their God shall be a snare to you. So it was when the angel Lord spoke these words to all the children of Israel that the people lifted up their voices and wept. Then they called the name of that place Bochum, because it means weeping, and they sacrificed there to the Lord. And when Joshua had dismissed the people, the children of Israel went each to his own inheritance to possess the land. They went from a promising start to weeping in a relatively short period of time. So what can we glean from this? Because we're not under that covenant. We're not. Make it clear, we're not under the covenant. But what can we glean from this as new covenant believers living in 2022? Following the voice of God in all areas of our life is vitally important. When we deviate from his plan or we compromise, we are setting ourselves up for future hardship. God's way is always the best way and always sets us up for a better future. God's way is the best way. Come on, say it out loud and put it in the chat. Say God's way is the best way. Come on, one more time. Say God's way is the best way. So this leads me to reflection question number one. As we go through this series, I have some reflection questions. Some are harder than others, but you're going to need to answer them for yourself. Reflection question number one. Is there an area of your life where you have not fully obeyed God? And what do you need to do to get into complete obedience with his plan and direction for your life? I'm not talking about what you don't know. I'm talking about what, do, what you actually know. Is there an area of your life where you have not fully obeyed God? And what do you need to do to get into complete obedience with his plan and direction for your life? Once again, you'll find the link in the notes. But number one, you'll find this question in the notes. Reflection question number one again. Is there an area of your life where you have not fully obeyed God? What do you need to do to get into complete obedience with his plan and direction for your life? Let's pick up in verse 7. I'll repeat that question one more, again, one more time. Is there an area of your life where you have not fully obeyed God? What do you need to do to get into complete obedience with his plan and direction for your life? Judges chapter 2, starting with verse 7. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. 
and they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnath Harris and the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gash. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. So what can we glean from this? The sad turn of events. What can we glean from it? It is important to pass down a heritage of faith and help the next generation develop a personal relationship with God. It is important to pass down a heritage of faith and help the next generation develop a personal relationship with God. When we talk about this word, no, this generation didn't know God in a way that Joshua and his generation knew God. They knew of God. They knew about the God of Israel. They knew his name. They knew about him, but they didn't know him. Come on. They didn't know him like Joshua knew him. They didn't know him like Joshua's generation knew him. In addition to not knowing him and having that personal relationship with him, they did not know their history. The scripture clearly says they didn't know the miraculous works God did for their parents and the generations before them. They did not know what God did for them in Egypt, and they did not know what God did for them in the wilderness, and they did not know what God did for them even in the promised land. They did not know. So reflection question number two that I want you to answer for yourself. Reflection question number two. What are you doing to help the next generation develop a personal relationship with Jesus and understand his miracle working power? Reflection question number two. What are you doing to help the next generation develop a personal relationship with Jesus and understand his miracle working power? Once again, reflection question number two. What are you doing to help the next generation develop a personal relationship with Jesus and understand his miracle working power. Let's go to verse 11. Judges chapter 2, verse 11. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them and they bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Ashtaroths. You know, we're running out of time for tonight's session, but Baal was a Canaanite weather god and the supreme male deity of the Canaanites and Phoenicians. And Asherah was a Canaanite myth, according to Canaanite mythology, was a mother, mother goddess figure. And so they had to do with fertility and weather and remember it's an agricultural society and so you want good weather conditions so that you can produce so they served these gods that were that made them think that they would have a better life and prosper economically and have everything they need and allow them to live the life they wanted to live now also though there were some very immoral practices that went with the worship of the bales and there are many bales but Baal here is the chief of all the bales there's many immoral practices but chief among them was human sacrifice, specifically child sacrifice. It's part of the worship of the Baals, which at times did include child sacrifice. Now let's dive into this a tad bit more. The Israelites knew the Lord, 
but didn't have a personal relationship with him and did not know anything about him. They followed the influence of the culture around them and backed away from their yes to the one true God and began to worship false gods. What can we as new covenant believers glean from this? Because you might say, well, I'm not going to worship Baal. I don't even know what a Baal is. What can we glean from this? When we do not maintain a personal relationship with Jesus and not people who read, meditate, and study the Bible, we are open to deception and can fall to the lies and the culture. When we do not maintain a personal relationship with Jesus and are not people who read, meditate, and study the Bible, we are open to deception and can fall to the lies in the culture. What was the result of their forsaking God? Well, according to their covenant, which we're not under, but according to their covenant, they were heading to serious defeat. They were making themselves God's enemies. As Joshua described in the message version, they were cheating on God. Judges 2 shares that God handed them over to their enemies. And what did the enemies do? The enemies raided them, the enemies oppressed them, and their enemies dominated them. But we're going to end tonight with Judges chapter 2, verse 16. Let's read this together. Judges chapter 2, verse 16. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hands of those who plundered them. One more time. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those that plundered them. These judges were not courtroom judges, so don't think about courtroom judges. These were regional political military leaders. They were heroes. Although Israel had turned away from God, God still raised up heroes to rescue them. Why? Great is his mercy. Come on, say it out loud and put it in the chat. Say, great is his mercy. Come on, say it out loud and put it in the chat. Say, great is his mercy. Reflection question number three as we close. Have you ever considered that what God has called you to do is an expression and manifestation of his mercy for others? Have you ever considered that what God has called you to do is an expression and manifestation of his mercy for others? Wow. Three reflection questions that I want you to think of tonight as we go into this next song. Reflection question number one, is there an area of your life where you have not fully obeyed God? What do you need to do to get into complete obedience with his plan and his direction for your life? Reflection question number two, what are you doing to help the next generation develop a personal relationship with Jesus and understand his miracle working power? Number three, have you ever considered that what God has called you to do is an expression and manifestation of his mercy for others. I want you to consider those questions. Amen. I believe today's message encourages you, it's strengthening you, it's helping you to live the lifestyle of faith. If you're ever in the Metro Atlanta area, we'd love for you to worship with us in person. You can find information about our different locations at fccga.com. Also, we have so many different ways where you can get the word. You can download our Faith Plus app. You could also visit us on our social media pages on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook on YouTube. We love for you to connect with us. We also have a podcast on Apple Podcasts as 
well as on Spotify. We have two. One is called The Faith Podcast, and then we have our daily devotional podcast, which is called Faith in the Morning. I look forward to seeing you on many different social media platforms and in person at Faith Christian Center. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, something good is going to happen to you today, so expect miracles. God bless.